Yes, we're back again. Stairway to Sevens. Jimbo, how you doing? Very good. Very good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. First and foremost, we have to thank thecover.com.au. Thank you again for putting up with us. Um, we do talk a lot of rubbish on this show, so it's it's nice that they've put up with us. Uh, apologies for the late podcast this week. It's completely my fault. Uh, I was lucky enough to spend... A week with the Women's Sevens uh, Ponies group, which took up all of my time um, in, a, in a camp against France, which was a really awesome opportunity for me to sort of work. I worked predominantly with that second group, I guess you'd call them, the Ponies, the players of national interest. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty long and arduous week. <laughs> Massive change up for me being uh, the guy that's doing all the all the crappy jobs. Getting the coffee, running the water. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was really good. And, you know, the getting getting to see the French women up close um, was pretty eye-opening in terms of just their physicality and size. I know you watched some of the games and any time the Australian team went into, into contact in the middle of the field, like they just sent three in. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the French girls didn't look, uh, they weren't physically dominant, but they just worked really, really hard every time there was a breakdown. You know, there's three or four to the ball, and they just they had a lot more, like they seemed to play with a lot of want. Like you yeah. know that a lot of them are undersized or you know tall or skinny or whatever, but they were just so physically dominant, especially over the ball, especially for those those two taller girls they had being so physically stable and, and dominant over the ball was pretty impressive. Yeah, and on Thursday, I think the third game. It was bucketing down with rain, so they that obviously suited them. So they played, they t- tightened right up, played a lot through the middle. But what I was pretty impressed with was their ability to offload in that crappy weather. Yeah, um, yeah, their offload game was probably better than their just generic passing game. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if they have you know reviewing the footage, if they have one work on the French development girls, it's just their catch pass. Yeah. Um, and, and and getting not just catch pass, but actually engaging with a step, not just a chain pass. Yeah, keep keeping the hip square and yeah. then, you know, engaging their defender, preserving the space on the edge. There, there was a lot of running to the sideline and shifting. But, I mean, they had a pretty successful game plan, similar to what we've seen the Japanese do a lot, yeah. is that just flood the middle, draw in, and then, and then you've created so much space on the edge. If you can just get it there, nine times out of ten, they, they scored. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, that for them moving forward, that skill development, particularly around their passing, is going to be key. They've got the athletes. Yeah. And you saw that um, when when the Australian girls sort of got a little bit disconnected um, and didn't play to their strength, which was actually out to the edge moving the ball. Yeah. They just attacked us two, three, sometimes four in at the breakdown, penalty turnover, and then they'd score. Yeah. But no, it, it was pretty good to see the, the depth of the Aussie development at the moment and yeah. how you know how much exciting talent we have coming through yeah you know, the, the Aussie girls were, were pretty handy yeah and I guess the other good thing too is there's four missing so non-contracted girls four missing from that camp due to Super W yeah. um, commitments so having you know having 
15 girls there, seven contracted girls and eight non-contracted girls yeah. was pretty um, pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it's exciting times ahead. So we'll just sign them all up, UC. Yeah, get them in some UC kit. 2020, that's it. <laughs> so post, you know, all, through all this week, with everything we've been seeing um, with coronavirus, um, Hong Kong and Singapore, Singapore's only for the men. So we'll, we'll talk mostly about Hong Kong. But the Hong Kong Sevens has now been postponed until the 16th to the 18th of October. So it was supposed to be in four weeks' time or six weeks' time. Um, it's now October. So from today, that means there's a 75-day window where they're not playing any footy. Yeah. and I mean, it's obviously not great lead up to Tokyo for a lot of teams and they wouldn't have planned for it. But I think it also provides a little bit more opportunity for them to do challenge themselves a little bit more on the training park and really try and put some some good reps and into into the teams leading in Tokyo. And, you know, if we look specifically at the Aussies, obviously there's a lot of things that we've sort of spoken about that they, they can tweak between, you know, now and Tokyo given their, their performances in a couple of these um, these World Series events. And now they've got the time and the resources to be able to probably effectively, you know, up their performance. Mm. So it, it could potentially be be a really good thing. Um, I guess the one big thing we've sort of spoken about off air is it, it potentially, you know, ruins a few chances for some of these fringe girls to prove themselves worthy of Tokyo, which is, you know, unfortunate. But at the end of the day, it's it's happening for all the teams. And mm. it's, you know... I think that the teams that it probably really impacts is those teams who are gonna gonna compete in that repercharge. Yeah. So some of those tier two countries who are not getting um, regular time on the World Series, that's one less World Series that they have a chance to play in. Um, I know that they're doing a challenger series for the women in a couple of weeks and there's one going on for the men currently in Vinya del Mar in Chile. But you know, it's 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 all of a sudden. You know, instead of having say a, f- a four or five tournament prep, you're now down to three or four. If you've got some fringe athletes that you want to have a look at, all of a sudden you can't really because you know how important that river charge is. So you've got to kind of stick with your twelve or yeah. thirteen. It's it's going to be a little bit challenging. And then I guess looking at the the French, obviously they're the the, the big dogs in that river charge. That now they're getting an extra tournament in the lead up to Tokyo. So you know, does that potentially in a roundabout way actually benefit them mm. over some, you know, over Canada, New Zealand and Australia sort of being the, the top one, top four team who gets an extra tournament? Yeah. The, the other thing, moving ahead a bit, the other thing, just thinking about, so the 2019-2020 World Series now finishes in October. Yeah. The Olympics is in July. So... Let's hypothetically, let's say Australia wins the gold again. And would it be fair to say four or five of those athletes probably retire? Yeah. Yep. And then... Or or at least take an extended break. Yeah. And so there may be another two or three take a sabbatical. Yep. For six or eight weeks or a year, whatever. So all of a sudden, Australia potentially with a chance to win the world series post winning a gold medal what do you like that team looks drastically different 
to the one you took to the Olympics. Yeah, you, you'd have to, and to be fair, you'd have to think it's going to be the same for for most of the top teams. Mm. Is that the end of the World Series will be more of a development window for the start of the twenty 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 one series? Yep. So, and, and I think too, just looking at it, I think the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one series starts two weeks before that in Colorado. Yeah. It's it's the back end of the year is going to be it's going to be interesting how how they manage it and whether they look at moving it you know moving around points and from Colorado to to Hong Kong and just sort of finishing For, yeah twenty nineteen twenty twenty yeah, yeah I, I don't mind that but it's just it's just going to be fascinating to see how that how that kind of translates so you know all of a sudden and only talking about Australia you know you're looking at taking probably seven or eight athletes aged 18 to 21 without any of those sort of older, more established athletes playing, which is not necessarily a bad thing. We've seen how much talent there is yeah, and how, how good they can be. But, you know, just throwing a whole group of them into a, a World Series event, it could be challenging one for the coach, but two, you know, mentally and physically for those younger athletes. Yeah, and I guess that's the challenge that Sevens is going to have, you know, on a four-year cycle moving forward. Is that the, you know, the the importance of of Sevens is that four-year Olympic window or, or two-year Com Games window, and you know there are going to be back ends and starts of World Series that are, are maybe not deemed as important and used as development opportunities for these big big teams. Do you think that's something rugby's starting? To get a handle on the four, the four year, eight year, and twelve year yeah. cycle, v- very slowly. Yeah, you know, I, I think rugby being a, a six to twelve month performance mm. um, sport, where we put a lot of emphasis on immediate success, having an Olympic sport sort of being in that same format, it, it, I imagine is very challenging for you know for Manetti and and for Walshy when when he was there as well, and now he's with the men. I, I think that being able to perform year in year out in the World Series, but also having a four-year prep where, you, where you're really looking to, you know. But I, I, suppose, I suppose that's where sevens differs in a lot of ways from 15-a-side footy, but particularly from the way it's administered and coached. Yeah. You have to always be thinking four years ahead and in a lot of cases eight and 12 years ahead as well. You know, I think sevens, it was really lucky with the winning edge model. Yeah. Because they won that gold medal, then were given a heap of funding, and then that allowed them to create, you know, the underpinning programs that they have now. So we've now got the Aon series, we've now got regular games for the junior national sevens teams, and we've now got um, we've now got a ponies group as yeah. well. So an un- uncontracted players of national interest group, but from the administration, there needs to be support for that four year cycle because it, you know. And, and, you know, we've touched on it, but if we see a big turnover of athletes uh, post-Tokyo, that 2021 year is potentially going to be a a fairly difficult year in terms of performance. So we might see us drop from being, you know, in that top two or top three bracket sort of now vying for a top five or six finish. Yeah. But knowing that we're prepping these girls for 2024. Yeah, exactly. And I guess you look at a sport like rowing, for example, um, you know, the, the girls 
sort of post post Olympics, a couple of their big dogs took two years off. Yeah, for you know a year and a half, two years off to have kids to do all that stuff, and then they build for two years, leading back into into Tokyo. If we sort of look at that with sevens, if if we're doing that, then all of a sudden our, our World Series performances you'd imagine deteriorate mm. or drop off to some extent. But in saying that, it also allows us to build the depth of the squad overall. Yep. So it, it's it's sort of a challenge that that Rugby Australia and, and the Aussie sevens have sort of got to manage in in four year cycles moving forward. Well, and you've also you've also got to consider Com Games. Yeah, is in the middle there, and so is the Sevens World Cup. Yeah, uh, in the in between the Com Games and the Olympics as well. Yep. So it's it is a fairly challenging cycle, but I think the you know some of the conversations we've had recently with with people that 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 idea around being a four year program is now starting to sink in it's not you know we want to win the world series every year it's like yeah let's be competitive on the world series and let's try some things let's get some really exciting young athletes some opportunities there but our goal is a gold medal yeah and that's going to take us four years eight years 12 years to build that that momentum and i think that's where we've seen someone like new zealand be be really successful the, the last two years is obviously they were devastated they lost in rio and their focus has really been on on tokyo for the past four years and so that yes their big dogs have been playing on on the circuit pretty consistently but they've drip fed all their young girls for the past mm. four years giving them opportunity after opportunity to and now we look at them and their their squad from one to probably 16 or 17 is you know Quality. is unbelievable yeah and you know the the aussie girls aren't far behind with that but then you look at some of the other teams that have just been loading mm. their World Series teams, you know, seri- tournament after tournament, just trying to compete on the World Series. Well, you, you look at Canada as an example of that. Yeah. Lots of footy under their belt, and they're, they're probably going to go well at the Olympics, Yeah, but they're really top-heavy. You, you look at them post-Olympics post at the back end of the, the World Series, they, they could have a completely different starting seven. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it is really interesting. And, and I think that the exciting thing for sevens is it it is, you know, bar... Uh, skateboarding is the one of the newest Olympic sports, and so there is going to be some some teething and management issues as we move into the next cycle. Mm. And what, one of the things that's interesting you mentioned too is, um, you know, getting some rest post post that that Olympic Games because you think about it from just for for its for what it is, it's it's an Olympics, it's high pressure. There's millions of people watching you on TV, and there's tens of thousands of people there in a stadium when really you're used to, you know, maybe a couple of thousand people there watching you, you know, on day one and maybe the stadium's half full on day two. Yeah. So, you know, from a, you know, stress management, you know, or, you know, four years worth of preparation, all that, you know, you achieve your goal, what's next. Yeah. I think it is really important to get a significant rest. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> unfortunately the way, that sevens is structured at the moment. There, there just there really isn't one. You know, you maybe get a month off um, before we're into uh, the Colorado leg. Yeah, which is, and it it will be interesting to see what a couple of the the big dogs do post, you know, post Tokyo, and and I think especially if we are successful, it'll it'll be a, a probably a more drastic change, mm. but. Yeah, it, it's exciting times ahead, but yeah, there, there are definitely some challenges there as well. And I reckon that was probably uh, one thing they learned post-2016 Olympics is I think they brought 
a few of those girls back too quickly. So we actually did see performances dip early in that 2017 season because I think we rushed them back. Yeah. But it was largely the same group. So they've, you know, they've kind of got through that adversity and, and you know, had a World Series win. But yeah. Yeah, like the, the only one we saw take decent time off and, and come back was Nicole Beck. Yeah. Who took time off to, to have another baby and then yep. came back to uh, the back end of Aon first year with down at Utah's with us. But yeah, there, there was two or three girls that just stepped away altogether. But yeah, the rest of them came back pretty quickly. Mm. So the other thing, you know, in Australia here, the other, the other thing that this movement impacts is the Aon series. Um, we're likely not going to see any Australian players. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, if, if the, the marquee players are, are stepping away from the sport for a short period of time or, or retiring altogether, then obviously, you know, we're not going to see them. And then that means that development girls that Aeon's been really successful for are going to be stepping up into that World Series team. But then I, I guess we sort of look at it, you know, second year Aeon when when we it aligned with... Um, yeah, when it aligned with... The, when they added the Glendale League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there was a few tournaments. And so we, we had a, a pretty reduced Australian Aon setup. And, and what that's actually done, the flow and effect from that is that now we have a bucket load of, of quality depth. So, you know, I think that's exciting as well. So you look at it at the start of the, the four-year cycle that all of a sudden we're getting a whole heap more exposure for for some of our, our Aon developing girls, which over the next two or three years are going to become our, our Aussie development girls. Well, and I actually, I think it's going to be really exciting because if we see, let's just say we see eight girls either retire or step away for a period, yeah. that means there's eight contracts available. Yeah. So that means, you know, your Georgia Hannaways, your... Carly Henwoods, your Alicia LaFowle, Focus Aliyas, they're getting an opportunity full time, yeah. potentially, yeah. for, you know, at least a six month period, depending on the sabbatical and all of that. But they're getting an opportunity. So the flow on then is there's eight spots with the various universities yeah. to bring in, you know, potentially someone, you know, a younger athlete, a, a, seven, a 16 or a 17 or an 18 year old to get some exposure at the bottom end of the squad. And, you know, we saw. With us, with UC, with with athletes like Ella Ryan and Ainsley Scrivener, they started their you know our season as the bottom end of the squad and ended up being valuable contributors. Yeah, because they, they you know they got some opportunities and, and ran with them and and really had a crack. And I think we'll see that across across the Aon sides. And we've definitely seen in club footy around Australia when when players you know get pulled out, get given opportunities for professional contracts or whatever, and it opens up the door for a whole bunch of other people to come through, the level actually improves. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people, you'd think that having those Australian girls means the level's going to be really high. I mean, it is, but what it also encourages a lot of teams to do is, oh, let's just give the ball yeah. to Elia. Play through them yeah. rather than play team footy. Yeah. Whereas when they're not there, teams tend to find their identity yeah. and you you tend to see a couple of girls separate themselves because you're playing towards the team's strengths and within the team's strengths rather than just saying, oh, well, let's just get the ball to Ilya and I'll I'll make sure I secure the ball if she gets tackled or, or taken offload. Yeah, and I guess we saw, we saw that transition a little bit in Tournament 1 to Tournament 2 this year with Aon. Had all, yes. all the Aussie girls in for Tournament 1 and then, you know, only I think three or four of them in for Tournament 2 and, and all the teams seemed to 
you know, wh- whether it was just the the first tournament nerves or or whatever, the the actual overall, all the teams seemed to perform a, a lot better. Yeah, and you know, but, in our experience, when Shani came back, you know, her all her comments to us was, "Wow, these girls have come so far yeah. in six weeks." Yeah, yeah, and you know, really, you know, I think for our group being a young group, having Shani and Yasmin in that first round. May have hurt them a little bit. A little, little bit nervous, <laughs> starstruck. Yeah, you know, first, first for some of them, first time traveling away from mum and dad. Yeah, first time playing in that environment where it is fairly high pressure and and fairly intense. First time playing with some international, you know, senior international players, and then you know you throw in that one of them is the captain yeah. of the Australian team too. Yeah, and I guess the the other point is that. They're now competing against other international players right. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you couple all of that, and you know, you you then pull those girls out of that environment, allow allow them some time to adjust and and whatever. And for us, that that seemed to be the first tournament. By the end of the first tournament, they'd well and truly adjusted to the level, and then were able to go on and and perform really successfully. Even though all the chatter that you and I heard from externals was that oh geez uc is going to struggle without yasmin and charney yeah but but we had two girls come in for them who who really you know stepped up and and were actually two of our better performers yes kobe and and sammy wood yeah um sammy who actually had a really good game last night for the brumbies women too yeah the brums straightening up the attack she was she was very strong but that but that's true you know it it was a nice to be able to drop um sammy and kobe into a team and they offered each something different to what Yasmin and Shani did. Yeah. Were able to contribute. And then unfortunately they both got injured. So, so we couldn't carry them for the rest yeah. of the time. But had to bring Shani and Yaz back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, you know, we, we've, as I said, we've seen it with club football and, you know, provincial football around the world. When those top tier players aren't there and you've got some young, hungry athletes playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder trying to prove themselves. Yeah. It ultimately brings the level up. Yeah, and then and then when the the big dogs come back in, there's that that healthy competition in training, and yeah, yeah no, it, it is it yeah. is really good. And that's probably where, you know, from our perspective, and and I know talking to a lot of the other universities and a lot of the other coaches, where those national team players add a lot of value is at training. Yeah, and then the stuff they do off the field. So all the recovery, the way they eat, the way they stretch, look after their body, get to bed early, all those. All those external things that, as a young athlete, you don't really think about. Yeah, all the the unseen aspects of being a pro athlete. Yeah, yeah. all that yeah. stuff was invaluable to us. And you know, maybe that's somewhere that that we go with Aon at the back end of the year. If we do have a, a lot of the big dogs not playing, is maybe they come into assistant coach, yeah. assistant manager roles, and and you know, universities can still market them and use them as marquee players, but they they're having an off field presence with the teams. So Shani on the sideline with a gold medal around her yeah. neck. Just... Running water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to. Shot Shani. <laughs> so look, on that note, you know, lots of talk about the Olympics, lots of talk about how it impacts the Aeon series. Given where well, I guess with two thirds of the way through the World Series now, with a big break, if you were to pick an Australian travelling group. So I've got 14 here, but if you were to pick an Australian travelling group to go to the Olympics today, assuming everyone is healthy, we've got no injuries, we've had a perfect run in, in for prep, who's getting on that plane and why? 
I'll, I'll name it first and then yep. and then go through the white. So I had um, Staples, Williams, Polite, Kaslik, Ashby, Cherry, and Green as the seven, mm-hmm. and then Pucky, Parry, Hanaway, Lucas, Tonangato as the twelve, with Dalton as the thirteen. Yep, and then Fakalasia as the the fourteen wild card. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, we'll we'll start back at the top. Like Cassie Staples has been pretty stable in that starting seven. Excuse the pun. <laughs> you know, she she's been quality in yeah, she ba- playing that fast forward role, locking the, defensively, locking down the edge, and then really giving us quality, good recycle ball. You know, she's not she's not necessarily always looking to take the outside and, and beat her player, but what she does every single time is if she can't get on the outside, she's coming back in really hard, giving us that good punch. Bending the line and then we yeah, recycle. I really like that aspect to her game that she's yeah, developed. Yeah. So she she really cuts back hard and it forces the edge defender and the, the one in from the edge, the center, to commit to that breakdown. And then as long as and it, and it also makes it easier for the support player because she's cutting back into her zone. Yeah. So yeah. quick quick recycle. And that's actually allowed us more time and space to get the ball to those who are a bit more creative. So your Ashby's, your Kazlik's, your Polito's. Yeah, and, and I think Cherry and Green have really benefited off playing on mm. the other edge to stable. She's one of those girls that makes the game easier for mm. you know the players around her and she's creating opportunities. Um, obviously, Shani Williams at two, she's you know, locked down Solid. the middle of the field defensively and then you know happy to roll up the sleeves and do our, our dirty work in attack. Yep. Um, Polito obviously can play pretty much anywhere. But one thing we, we noticed in Sydney was when we played with those two faster forwards, we actually looked really, really dynamic. Mm. And, and I think that's probably the way we're going to open New Zealand up is, is playing with someone like Polito who's quick, dynamic, but also got the physicality and strength of, of Williams and Parry in that three. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaslik at halfback with, with Ashby at first receiver. Um, I, know I like those two together. Yeah, we, we, we've sort of spoken about having Ashby to Kaslik, but yep. I think... You know, we we saw defensively in Sydney, Catholic being in that nine role and yes. being able to drop in a sweeper, just really made us, uh, yeah, re- really made us a lot more stable and a lot more uh, dynamic in defence, and we could really attack through the middle. Um, and then I think Ashby is that kind of player that she's happy to just give good quality ball all the time, but is also happy to have a crack when it's on. Yep. So you look at you know having Cherry and Green outside, you, you want someone who who can give Cherry. Really good early ball and allow allow her to do her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the bench was a tricky one. I pick, picked um, Paki over you know Demi and Rhiannon and those. Like I think mm-hmm. Paki's got. She's one of, I guess you know she's she's a little bit, a um, little little bit unique in the way she plays. Like mm-hmm. she's super super physical, but also got this strange sort of X factor around the way that she attacks. You know she. She can potentially play, you know, push comes to shove, she could play it in the centre. She's got the pace and yep. and the dynamacy in attack. <laughs> One thing I, I noticed with her too is her her ability to run a line into a hole yeah. or, or create a hole off footwork off the ball. Yeah. Is yeah. is something, you know, that's a little bit special. And and also to the her offload lines, like she really finds the space at the right time. So as late as she possibly can. And then when she hits the ball, she hits it. At a thousand miles an hour, it's really difficult to defend, and she, and she's got the open field pace to finish Correct, opportunities yeah. as well. Um, yep. yeah, Parry, I think she, you know, we sort of touched on it um, pre Sydney against Canada, France, America teams like that. We, you know, we, we really enjoy having her physicality and dominance on the field. Um, I've then gone with Hanaway 
as the sort of can play anywhere from from mm-hmm. half to to the edge. She's she's a really exciting one for us. And then Lucas and Tonegato in that that eleven and twelve spot. You know, Lucas is our as our half backup, and then Tonegato can can lock down the fast forward edge or you know or or earlier's edge. So pretty pretty dynamic and exciting team. Obviously, if Dalton's has a pretty successful return yes. and she's fit and healthy and, and she's looking good. She, she'll be in that 12. She's in the 13th spot at the moment. Yep. And then I think Fagalase is potentially another one that if, if she has a, a good lead up to Tokyo and gets some opportunities, then she's a big chance to be in that 12 as well. Yep. So I've I've picked a, a similar team. I've I'll name it and then I'll and then I'll go through it with you. So this seven would be a seven that I would start with, say, against the Canada or, or even a French. The Canada. Yeah, the Canada or even even a French team, um, you know, potentially in a quarter or a semifinal, given how hard they go at the ball. Yeah. So a bit of extra a bit of extra strength in the middle of the field. So um Williams at Williams at one, Dalton at two, Parry at three. Um then I've got Ashby at half with Cherry as first receiver. So I've Pick Cherry at first receiver because she's got she's got great skills. She's got such a cool head, and I'd really like to see Kazlik operate in a, in a little bit more space. So I think on the edge, you know, Kazlik and Green potentially against a French or a or a Canadian team who play a little bit narrower could be really deadly. So oh yeah, I've got Kazlik and Green um, as the center and and wing. Then on the bench, I've got Fakasalia. Tonegato, Polide, Hannaway, and Pucky. So I've, you know, having seen what um, Fakasalia is capable of this week in camp, she's the kind of, I guess, the kind of player we've really been looking for in that, you know, she can she can cover the whole field. She's got enough top end speed to play even in the centers, but she's so strong and powerful that she can straighten up the attack. All the time, if you need someone to take a big carry up the middle of the field, not only will she do it, but she'll she'll commit four defenders yeah. and create space on the outside for everyone else. And I guess we've we've seen her do that in the Wallaroos jersey, playing at thirteen. You know, she she's really good at straightening the attack and and playing against some some of the biggest bodies in in world rugby that she's not going to be coming up against in sevens. That she's been dominant physically. Yeah, yeah, and then you know. Um, Tonegato, we, we know what she can do. She can really come in and play that fast forward role well, but she can also cover center and wing yeah. if you need her to. Or potentially even half. Yeah. Yeah. She can have some good reps in the, in that half spot. Yeah. And then, you know, we've spoken about Hannaway. She's, she's got a real X factor about her game. We've spoken about Packy again, another one who's got a real X factor about her game. And then, you know, getting on the plane as, as you know, the next two reserves are, are Nathan and Lucas. So, you know, Lucas, Lucas has been a, a, a it, Lucas is probably a bit unlucky not to not to get into this team, but you know, Hannaway, Ashby, Cherry, Kaslik can do all of the things that she can do, but also offer some other things defensively and and some other things in attack in terms of the way they bend the line and take the line on. Yeah, Nathan, you know, is probably in a similar boat. Nathan's really lucky to miss out here. She she's another one who's got a bit of X factor to her game, and given. I reckon, looking at twenty twenty four, she's probably one who could end up being like a Polide, where she can play in the center, she can play half, she can play forwards, and really give you some punch and some X factor, and 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 create opportunities for others. 
Yeah, I think she's she's one. She's going to have a, an incredibly exciting future. But you know, just whether she's she's Tokyo ready in quotation marks, yeah, yeah. It, it will be interesting to see. And then, look, I, th- I think the thing I love about these two teams we've picked, and and there's there's obviously a lot of crossover. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven gold medalists in the side, and five um, young kids, fearless kids, who play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, a bit of an X factor. You know, if I'm coaching against a team like that, that makes me really nervous. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, we, they, we've got the experience to play really disciplined footy, but now we're starting to have quality injection of those young girls who can just turn the game on its head. So it, it's going to be a bloody exciting tournament for us. Yeah, I, I actually can't wait. I'm glad we've got less World Series tournaments. Yeah. Bring on the Olympics. Scrap the World Series Olympics every year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. I think that's it. Yeah. It's a, a relatively short show given there's not a lot of sevens happening. We're going to try and have a few guests on over the next eight weeks or so given we've kind of run out of stuff to talk about and I'm frankly pretty sick of you, mate. Yeah. Let's bring back Jovi. Let's bring, bring Jovi back on. Uh, O'Keefe. I promise at some point we'll get you on, but it's just not going to be today, mate. Even with the short show, the music's already started. I can hear them queuing it up. So Sorry, mate. Apologies, mate. Thanks again to the cover. Mum and Dad, thanks for listening. Thank you, Liam's mum and dad. <laughs> uh, we will be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>